On today's episode, we'll hear from Dr. David Wally, a highly successful PI who's received numerous grants from the National Science Foundation over the last two decades. He'll share the lessons he learned on his journey to obtain funding, how he persevered through rejection, and made every proposal count. I'm Evangeline Coker, and you're listening to Journeys in Research. Journeys in Research is a podcast conceived by FSU's Office of Research Development as an on-the-go resource for faculty. In each episode, we'll hear from an FSU faculty member who will share stories about their research journey. And through that shared experience, help us understand the world of research beyond the college or departmental level. So no matter what field of study our guests come from, their journeys can relate to where we are today. Dr. David Wally received his PhD in computer science from the University of Virginia in 1990. He is currently the E.P. Miles Professor of the Computer Science Department at Florida State University, a Fulbright Distinguished Chair recipient, an FSU Distinguished Research Professor, and an Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers Fellow. David, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm glad to be here. So you arrived at FSU as an Assistant Professor in Computer Science, and you were coming straight out of graduate school. What was that transition from PhD candidate to assistant professor like for you? Well, first thing I would like to mention is uh, in computer science or engineering, it's very common to not do a postdoc uh, because there's lots of opportunities for uh, prospective faculty members to go to industry instead. So unlike some other fields. So uh, I uh, knew how to do certain things. I was trained as a PhD student. I knew how to do research. I knew how to write papers. I even came up with some of my uh, own research ideas as a graduate student. But one thing that I was never taught as a graduate student was how to obtain external funding. Mm -hmm. So um, this is something I had no training in. So for several years, uh, many years, I would uh, submit a NSF proposal each year and one proposal and it was rejected each year. And I really did not know what I was doing wrong with these proposals. And uh, in, in the department I was in, it was uh, a young department. Uh, it was formed in 1984 and I joined the department in 1990. So we really didn't have a history of faculty members getting much research funding. And the ones that did, most of them did not get funding from NSF. So I had very little mentoring on how to write proposals from my senior colleagues. So as a result, uh, having this problem for several years, I actually became quite disillusioned with the process. And really, even though I would do it each year, I really uh, did not look forward to writing proposals. How did a disillusioned young faculty member persevere and eventually become successful in obtaining NSF funding? I think the one thing that helped me a lot was that NSF moved to a panel system. And I think a panel system is is more inherently fair than what they used to do in the past was just submit solicit external reviews. Uh, uh, because the, the reason I think a panel uh, system is fair is you, you get together, whether it's in person or virtually, 
And if you were, if you had a criticism of a particular proposal, other people may not agree with that criticism. You have to defend it, and so people can change their ratings. Mm. Uh, but I think that another thing besides uh, uh, the panel system being fair, more importantly, is I served on a few panels. I was invited to serve on a few panels. And I learned a lot from serving on those panels. I learned by seeing the proposals that I thought were written well, what they did well, but probably more importantly, I looked at the proposals that I thought were, weren't as good and realized what they were doing bad and what the types of things that I could avoid. So uh, another thing that was very encouraging to me when I first served on these panels is I realized by the ratings I'd gotten in several of my previous uh, proposals, how close I was to getting funding in the past. Uh, because, you know, you just get, when, you, when you're uh, submitting a proposal and you just get it, to get it returned, you, you get some ratings, but you had no idea how, you know, what the ratings uh, that you had to get to be able to get things funded. So. so what lessons did you learn from being on a panel? Well, uh, I learned a lot of lessons. Uh, first, um, I learned that it's very important at the beginning of the proposal to emphasize what is the research problem that I'm proposing to investigate and why this uh, problem is important. I've been told by some of the other panelists that some reviewers will just stop reading a proposal after the few first few pages if they're not excited. I don't think everybody does that, but some will do. And I, I really believe that proposals are quite a bit different than writing papers. It requires more salesmanship, where uh, papers, you just let the results speak for themselves. So for me, I believe the most important aspects of a proposal uh, from my experience is novelty, potential impact, and feasibility. Mm. So novelty is important because it can make uh, a proposal stand out as being interesting. Uh, in fact, when I serve on panels, I'm always struck by there's, even though I think there's a lot of good researchers, I'm not really taken with the novelty of most of the proposals I read. And when I do see a novel proposal, I'm, I'm usually I get excited about it. Novelty in that it's a neat idea. Um, a potential impact is important because you have to say why this is important, uh, what the impact this is going to have, whether it's on society or on the, the field that you're working in. And uh, feasibility is important because it, if you, you can have a really neat idea and it uh, it's, uh, could have potential impact, but if it's not feasible to get hardly any of it done within the uh, grant period timeframe, like if it's a three-year grant or four-year grant, then it's likely that people are not going to fund it. Uh, so um, another lesson I learned is to write a proposal at a high level so that others in your general field can understand it. You cannot assume that everybody's as knowledgeable in your de detailed area of research that uh, as you are. In fact, most of the people will not be. And I learned this because I would get very frustrated uh, when I served on panels and I had to review proposals where uh, proposal writers would make no attempt to make this uh, under their proposal understandable to the general person in the field. Okay. Uh, they, they wouldn't define terms or concepts. And, and that made me work a lot harder to be able to understand a proposal. And if I have to work harder, I'm in a uh, not as good a mood and I probably won't give it as good a rating. Yeah. Okay, so um, another thing I learned is to 
the hard way is to make sure you have all the required parts of the proposal. You should be very careful about looking at the solicitation and looking for keywords like must and should. Mm. Um, you, you, I've seen some colleagues get proposals rejected out of hand because they, they did not include a required part. I've never had that happen, but I have gotten criticized by not going into enough detail about a particular aspect of the proposal, even if it's a good idea, if you're missing some required parts, it's likely to be rejected. You, you're, the reviewers will look for this and so will the program director. Mm -hmm. Another thing is I've learned to write proposals where I try to emphasize what it is I'm proposing to do and not go into a lot of details about how I solve the research problem, because uh, uh, that's more like writing the paper. Uh, and I've had the uh, proposal rejected when the reviewer stated I had done most of the research, but I hadn't done any of the research. I've only went into detail about thinking about how I would solve the problem, but I went into too much detail and they thought I had implemented it at that point. Um, another thing that I think that's helpful is to, and this sounds kind of um, uh, contradictory, but to have some preliminary results uh, in the proposal, but it's not preliminary results on what the the research topic itself from the research topic itself, but it's more preliminary results on uh, why this research problem is important and, and why there's a lot of potential room for improvement. It's very helpful if you can get other knowledgeable colleagues to review your proposal. Uh, you know, when you write a proposal, you think that every part of it is li likely to be understandable because you understand the topic. You understand what you wanted to say. But having other people read it, the things may not be clear and it may be best to rewrite parts of it, or they may be able to provide some other advice. Probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned is to submit multiple proposals per year if it's possible. Um, I, I learned by serving on the panels that... Um, a bad NSF proposal will almost always get rejected. Uh, people will, one or more people will realize that's not good. But um, a, you can write a good proposal and there's a lot of randomness whether it will get funded or not because it depends on which reviewers get assigned, which people get assigned to review your proposal. Uh, and some people are more critical than others or some people may not like a particular topic than others. So because there's this randomness, you can improve your odds of getting a proposal funded by submitting more proposals each year. Mm -hmm. So I, I submit uh, probably in recent years, I've submitted maybe the last 10, 15 years, I've submitted maybe two to five proposals a year. Wow. And that sounds like a lot of proposals, a lot of work, but it's really not that bad. So as I mentioned before, I would always um, submit one proposal a year, thought it was, uh, got rejected, thought it was a bad idea and come up with a new idea. Now I realize that I may have a good idea and maybe the reviewer didn't quite understand something that I wrote and you have to have the attitude, it's not the reviewer's fault, it's the way I wrote the proposal is the fault. I need to make it more understandable. Mm. If I get a proposal rejected and I still believe it's a good idea, I will try to improve the proposal and uh, view it as an opportunity to address that criticism so I can avoid it when I resubmit. So I, I'd like to maybe mention one experience that I had. I had submitted a proposal, it was a medium proposal, and I got it uh, rejected and I resubmitted it to another program. 
And then I saw a new solicitation come out, a forthcoming solicitation that was due and uh, pretty soon. And I hadn't gotten the reviews for this second submission of the proposal yet. So I finally decided to uh, contact that program director and ask him if there any chance of getting this funded because I can submit this to a new solicitation. And he replied that um, uh, there's really no chance of it getting funded and I should just go ahead and submit. So I actually submitted that. I got his permission and submitted it before I even got access to the reviews from the second submission. And that third submission was funded, uh, was one of my larger grants funded for $1.2 million. Wow. Another thing I've done over the years, um, unlike when I was an assistant professor, is started to collaborate with other people. In my area, there are small, medium, and large proposals. And I've looked at the statistics and I realized that the medium and the large proposals uh, tend to have a little bit better funding rates than the uh, smaller proposals. So, uh, so it doesn't hurt at all to collaborate with other people. And you, you can't really submit a medium or large proposal by yourself. You need other collaborators. And one advantage of uh, submitting these larger grants, if you're not the PI, is that it takes less work than when you're when you're a co-PI than when you're a PI. And so I will sometimes collaborate with uh, another person at my own institution where I'm a co-PI. Sometimes I collaborate with a PI at another university. So uh, maybe they're the lead institution and I'm the PI at this institution, but they take the lead in writing much of the proposal. I always work on it some, but uh, when you're not the lead PI, it's not as much work. I wanted to ask a sure. quick follow-up about that. So you're talking about you're talking about submitting around five proposals a year. That's what you do. And maybe maybe one's a new idea. Some may be ones that were rejected in the past. Some are co-PI situations. What right, if right. what if you get funding for something? Do you adjust how many you're putting forth the next year while you're yes, working on Yes, the I, I, uh, I do adjust. I mean, I, I tend to submit more if I um, have less funding than I need. I don't believe that someone should get more grant funding than they can possibly do the research. Okay, mm. so I, I really want to be able to accomplish the research that for which I'm getting funding from uh, the, the government, from NSF. Okay. Yeah. Another lesson I've learned is to um, never ask for less funding than what uh, the maximum is. Um, I've I've seen some people write uh, write budgets where they they really had a low amount of funding in the budget and maybe they thought that their proposal would be more competitive. Um, mm -hmm. But um, I, I I don't think that's really the case. I mean, the, the program director, I've had this several times when there's, they have several grants that they want, several proposals that they want to fund, they will not hesitate to cut your budget. But I've never ever seen uh, a proposal that was funded where they asked you to increase your budget. And I've had several times, you know, a program director asked me to cut my budget, but I've also had several times where I got the maximum amount that I specified with the maximum amount in the solicitation. And finally, the, I think the, the most important lesson I've learned is not to be discouraged when you get a proposal rejected. It, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter whether it's NSF or NIH, if you're submitting to a panel system, everybody gets proposals rejected. And uh, once you've had enough proposals rejected, you, you're not 
as disappointed as you used to be. It used to get me days to get recover from getting a proposal rejected. Now it's minutes. I <laughs> still get disappointed, but it's not so bad. But I try to remember how good it feels when I get a proposal funded and try to forget uh, my disappointment when I have a proposal that gets rejected. As long as the problem is broad enough to justify that amount of money, mm. it doesn't, uh, it, it's never, it's not going to make your proposal more competitive to ask for a smaller amount. I, I don't believe that uh, the, at least it hasn't been my experience where I've seen program directors say, I, I'd like to fund this one because I think I could squeeze that amount in. I've never heard <laughs> a program director say that. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, um, but the, like I said, the program director won't hesitate to, to cut your budget. I've never seen a reviewer really comment on uh, hmm. a, uh, the amount in the budget unless they're asking for something part of the budget that's very unusual. Then they might yeah. have, they might comment on that, but the amount uh, nobody I've never seen a reviewer comment on saying that the amount is not appropriate. So, so it's more important to have your ideas be ones that are strong and innovative right. than right. to show, hey, I'm budget friendly. Yeah, no, yeah, I've I don't think that helps at all. And yeah. so uh, so you have um, for eat for the. Small grants, which uh, in my area is right now, it's $500,000 is the maximum, and you have three years to do the work. And it's usually a single investigator. Uh, mm -hmm. Medium grants, you uh, have four years to do the work. Uh, the maximum is $1.2 million, and you have um, uh, usually multi at least multiple investigators, typically, uh, at least whether they're from the same institution or multiple institutions. And uh, and a large grant would have even more investigators than that. So uh, so I don't think you really, I mean, unless you were uh, like submitting a, a medium proposal by yourself with no other collaborators, I don't think uh, uh, this issue is, this issue has never come up, at least I've never seen it come up in a panel. I've certainly never got reviews that said I've asked for too much, too much money. Okay. That's great. So when you arrived in your department, there really wasn't a culture that promoted grantsmanship. But I was wondering, how is that culture in the computer science department changed now for, for junior faculty who are looking for funding? Well, first thing I'd like to say is that the, the senior faculty that were in the department when I arrived were quite helpful, but uh, we just didn't have uh, a culture of people getting grant funding. We had a few faculty members that had it, but uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't really widespread. And so um, when I finally started to get some success, I really wanted um, the junior faculty to not have to go through the experience that I had. I thought they could learn from my mistakes. So I started this volunteering to, you know, at meetings, I would tell uh, faculty that the junior faculty, I'm happy to review any proposals you may have. And a lot of them took me up on it. And now uh, most of the senior faculty have had success in getting funded are, are, are mentoring the junior faculty. They're volunteering to uh, review grant proposals. And uh, we, we established a for, formal mentor program where each junior faculty member is assigned a mentor that's close in their research. The junior faculty gets to actually pick the mentor rather than being assigned. And, uh, and, and you, they, they ask more than one person to often to review their proposals. So uh, I think we've had a much better rate of junior faculty getting funding. And if the junior faculty are successful, 
then the department's going to be successful. The future of the department will be bright. So I view uh, reviewing proposal as part of uh, mentoring junior faculty and as part of my departmental service, and I'm happy to do it. Yeah. So what advice would you give for junior faculty, perhaps in another department, who want that senior faculty mentorship, but maybe the culture isn't there yet? I think uh, I would recommend that the uh, junior faculty member not hesitate to contact, uh, not wait for the senior faculty to volunteer to review their proposals, but to ask if they would be willing to do it. And uh, mm. and I think a lot of people are uh, more senior faculty. Very few faculty, senior faculty will refuse such a request. I mean, some mm. may, but, um, but I think if they're asked, uh, unless they're extremely busy, a lot of them will... Um, will take the time to do it. And so you can't um, ask uh, like a, a day or two before the proposal's due. And if they're really busy with something else, they have some deadlines, yeah. they may not be able to do it. But you try to give the a person enough time. And I, I think most uh, faculty want uh, junior faculty in their department to be successful. Uh, mm. so they, you don't want to hire people and have them not succeed and uh, not get tenure is never a pleasant process. And so we want to do whatever we can to help uh, junior faculty succeed. That's great. So what if, what if you're an associate professor, but you feel like you still want that mentorship as well? A lot of times, you know, uh, what may keep an associate professor from getting promoted to full professor is not having enough funding. So I, I think it's a good idea to have associate professors do that. And um, I just I just haven't seen any associate professors that uh, never asked for advice before they were promoted to associate professor suddenly asked for advice at, at that point, where I have seen some uh, associate professors who got advice from somebody when they were an assistant professor to continue to ask for advice while they're an associate professor as well. So. Mm. So those early, uh, those relationships you make with other professors in your junior faculty level are, are really ones you want to keep cultivating. Right, right. I, I mean, we want, uh, we want people to succeed. And uh, one, one of the things we do in the department uh, is we have uh, the junior faculty do very little service. So one of the things I always tell uh, a faculty member when they get promoted, I congratulate them and I tell them that we're going to reward you by giving you more service to do, yeah, because it's the we want to we want to uh, protect the junior faculty so they have time to be successful in, in establishing a research program. But mm -hmm. the, the way we do that is by putting more of the burden on the senior faculty. So now that you've been through this journey with NSF funding, how do you feel about writing grant proposals? Well, before when I was getting them rejected every year and uh, when I was an assistant professor, uh, I really didn't enjoy the process. Uh, and now I actually enjoy writing proposals. It helps me think through the research idea. And uh, when I'm writing it, I get excited about thinking about the, not only the research idea, but the idea of getting some funding that I can help support more of my students. I can uh, buy equipment. I can pay for travel for conferences. And it it's always nice to get some summer salary from the grants as well. I usually put it this way when I try to give um, junior faculty advice, I say that a smart person learns from their mistakes and a genius learns from other people's mistakes and I want them to be geniuses. So. Okay. 
Journeys in Research is a production of the Office of Research Development at Florida State University. To stay up to date with content, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information, including show notes for this episode, go to journeysinresearch.podbean.com or visit us on our homepage, ord.fsu.edu. We'd love to hear from you. Please send questions or suggestions for episodes to ord at fsu.edu with the word podcast in the title. Music for this episode by Ketza. Special thanks to C.C. Pierre and our guest, David Wally. I'm your host, Evangeline Coker. Thanks for listening.